0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns, and thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. You know, if we can't celebrate each other as Christians, then something is off. Our relationship with each other is a linchpin uh, to our very Christianity. Well, today, Peter gives us some of the most important direction and clarity in how to navigate and make your relationships the best they can be. So hold on. You know, many years ago I was in college playing on an intramural football team. And I was so excited to get to play. I had not played in high school, uh, but I could play a little bit. And I was so excited to be on a team with a bunch of uh, friends and roommates that we had put together. And we had just met each other weeks earlier. It was my very first uh, quarter at, uh, at school at the time. And so we started playing and discovered that we were actually pretty good. In fact, We started to win games by not just two or three touchdowns, but four, five, and six, and seven touchdowns. We were very good, actually. And so being part of a really great team was exciting, and you might be able to imagine the the joy, the high fives, and and, uh, the happiness that winning, and winning by a lot especially, brought to us guys. We were able to make it all the way to the championship game, and we were so excited, feeling confident. That we could make this happen and win this game. Well, as it turned out, the other team had a ringer for a quarterback. It was just very good. And they were, obviously, in a championship game, another really good team that we had not played against uh, earlier in in the intramural season. They scored a touchdown, and then another, and then another, and we could not score. They were tearing us apart their offense was finding holes and gaps that we just didn't know existed. At halftime, they were ahead 36 to 0. 36 to 0. We were down six touchdowns. We couldn't believe it. Well, as we grouped together, wasn't a bunch of happy guys that were winning by three, four and five touchdowns anymore. In fact, what happened when things were going a little bit rough, when the game wasn't going as we had hoped, in fact, what ensued was actually a bunch of guys yelling at each other. You need to get to over there to cover that guy, or you need to get over to this space, or you didn't do that, you didn't do this. It was a lot of finger pointing, a lot of yelling, and a lot of guys that all of a sudden weren't getting along so well. The pressure was on. Well, in that game, I mentioned at halftime to actually approach defense a little bit differently. Everybody agreed because we were just getting beaten to death on that. We were able to come back, and we got within one touchdown, but still lost the game. And so we went home as runner-up versus champion. But that halftime really brought out the character in our team. There was a bunch of guys that had been happy and having a really great time for week after week after week until this moment. And we turned very quickly when life wasn't going as we had hoped. Today we are going to get into 1 Peter chapter 5, but taking a quick glance back to 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter's writing to people spread across uh, uh, quite a large area, and he says, And all these things you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. There were trials going on, and their faith was being tested. But you know what? That is life. There is no one listening to this podcast or no one that I know of, no one anywhere that is exempt of having hard times. No one's going to get off easy. Life brings us difficulty at times. There are times where you get up in the morning and you just say life just stinks. But that's a great thing about First Peter as I've read through this is that Peter didn't tell them how not to have difficult things, how to avoid these trials. You know, again, we all have them and we continue to have them. Some of the people listening to this podcast now, I know that you have some. Life just isn't easy. So 1 Peter is a whole lot about how to navigate through them, especially as it shows up in our relationships with each other. We had seen before that the relationships of the disciples had been tested. Their the relationships were strained. In First Peter chapter 2, he says, Get rid of your malice and your deceit, your hypocrisy, your envy, and slander of every kind. These were relationship sins that these folks had fallen into. That they were giving in to being deceitful. They were giving in to being hypocritical talking about each other behind each other's backs, being slanderous, sins against their relationships with others. And as you may have experienced yourself, and I certainly have, as their trials increase, so does their view of themselves inflate. In other words, you see yourself more than actually and lose sight of Jesus. We see that in them. And, and, and in 1 Peter, uh, not only is there uh, so much about how to navigate through these difficult trials, but reminders that Jesus himself actually went through incredible trials. And they had lost sight of Jesus, but the same can happen to us. We can struggle in the same way. Our view of ourselves become bigger as we lose sight of the cross in other words when we become christians when we decide to make jesus our lord the cross looms very large in our lives the cross is the center of course of christianity and it is the guide it is the the help that we need when we're in crisis it is the guide in, in good days it is the very things that that help people to work through uh, their lives from day to day But when we lose sight of that, our eyes often turn back to ourselves, to our sinful nature. And we move more towards self-reliance. So to help, Peter reminds them from his first hand account in 1 Peter chapter 2, when he said that they hurled insults at him, meaning Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You know, Peter's like, hey, when Jesus went through his trial, and believe me, I saw it, this is what happened. He reminded them that Jesus knew what it was like to have trials of many kinds himself. That Jesus isn't some far-off Lord that doesn't know what the folks then or us today are going through. And so we see throughout 1 Peter a constant correction or a constant redirection of the people. Addressing how they should view each other and how they should think about their trials and how to uh, navigate, to hang on to their relationships that they've worked so hard to get. I think of it as a sheep just kind of being being directed with the staff of the shepherd, of not over here sheep, but a little bit more to the left, and not over here, that's too far, but back over here. The people being directed as Peter wrote this letter. So he continues with this, with offering the direction in chapter 5 of 1 Peter. Today I read out of the NIV. entrusted to you but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade in the same way you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. As Peter starts out, of course, it seems to be written to to those who had the role of being an elder, not just older people. But really, there's things here that actually are appropriate for all of us, regardless of any title we may or may not have in the church, regardless of our role, regardless of who we are, other than just simple followers of Jesus this direction from peter helps us all and is applicable because it's actually about the heart it's not about the uh, role of who he was talking to you know and in it he separates our sinful nature he separates where our sinful nature takes us and of course what he sees happening to the recipients of this letter against where god desires our hearts to be in other words he sees this happening in these churches that are receiving this letter and he addresses it straight up. He tells them to watch over the flock and addresses some dark spaces where some of their hearts had gone. And for us, I think it's, it's again, if we're not overseers of the church, if we're not an overseer even of a small group, it still is very exposing of, of heart sins It still is very exposing of where we can be when it comes to service within the church or service within the community, or even just service at home with your spouse or with your children or with your roommates, that Peter is addressing the heart here. And what he says is to watch over the flock, not because you must, not because you have to do it. God doesn't desire that but that you are willing to do so. Not for dishonest gain, for getting paid, or for any other kind of dishonest wage of some sort, but in fact being eager to serve. Watch over the flock not to lord it over them, not because you're all of that in a bag of chips, not because you are all of the full of yourself, but actually that you are being an example You see, folks, God always looks at our hearts, despite the roles that we have in the fellowship. He always looks at our heart. How is your heart when it comes to serving one another? Are you willing, or are you just willing to do it when it's convenient? Do you want something out of it, or is it just good for what it is? When you think of maybe serving the church and children's ministry, or even just thinking about praying for other people. When you're thinking about serving the community, when you're thinking about giving back to those around you, or as I said, maybe even just helping at home. Don't do it because you must, but because you are willing to do so. Not for getting any dishonest gain, that you're getting something back, but solely because you're eager to serve. Not lording over others, puffing yourself up, thinking that you're all that, but in fact just being a simple example for other people to follow. Where is your heart? What do you think about when reading through that and listening to that? But Peter talks farther, and he talks very directly to them. He doesn't mince words on humility. He doesn't dance around the issue politely. He simply says, humble yourselves. It wasn't anything like, you know, if you have time and think about it, maybe study out humility and think about that for a bit. He doesn't say to think about humility the way Jesus was, and maybe how that might apply to you. He doesn't to say think about this or think about that. In fact, if I dare, I can add the word do in front of that, of do humble yourselves. Peter is looking for action here, and he is very direct with these folks that are having these trials but their trials are affecting them and it's getting in their way of seeing Jesus. You know, it's easy to carry anxiety, easy to let life get the best of us sometimes. Not only is it easy to carry, but as I mentioned, it sometimes can, can result in us losing our sight of the cross when it feels like there is a mountain in front of us. And when that happens, our focus often goes from the cross and lands right on our selfish selves. God understands all of that, and Peter understands that too. You know, what he doesn't say is, don't have anxiety. What he doesn't say is, here's how not to have anxiety. But in our pride, in our selfish ways, we we hang on to our anxieties. Unsaid in our minds is that, you know, God really can't help anyhow. So I'll just keep them. God really can't do much about it. So I'll just hang on to them for the recipients of Peter's letter because they were losing sight of the cross. Their anxiety was being kept inside or may have actually been cast on other people. Thus, the relationship struggles. They had pride. They had anxiety. It was a mess for them. You might feel like your life is a mess now because of some of these same things. But just like it was in 1 Peter, for you and I, that is where the beauty of God's grace fits in. That's where we can find the fullness of God's love. When our lives are at their weakest, when they are messy, when there seems like there's no hope, when all is lost, when the relationships have all gone south, and you feel like no one can help me, no one loves me. What does he say? Cast your anxieties on him. Cast your anxieties on God. Unsaid versus each other or versus holding it in. Cast your anxieties on him, and it just beautifully continues because he cares for you. That's hard to believe sometimes. It's hard to believe that sometimes. But it is true that God cares for you We can cast our anxieties on him. And it is true. Sometimes it's just hard to see if you're like me. Where you pray once, trying your best to cast your anxieties on God, but it just doesn't feel like it's working. Doesn't feel like he's hearing. Doesn't feel like you've been able to ease the burden. Well, my suggestion is to pray again and cast again your anxieties on him. And even then, after a second time, it may not feel like it's working. Go back to God in prayer and cast your anxieties on him. And if it doesn't feel like it's working, go back to prayer and cast your anxieties on him. And even after the fourth and fifth, even if it's been 20 times, go back to God and cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He is waiting for your anxieties. He wants to help with your anxieties. And the folks that got the letter that we call First Peter read that, maybe sought the same things as you did. And man, that's hard. But let me try it. They were casting their anxieties on each other. It was showing in their relationships. Their anxieties that were coming from all kinds of trials was just getting to be too much and it affected their relationships with each other their anxieties going to each other versus to god which leads to my first thought of the day is to resist him resist him lower case h because where peter goes after this will really help us to direct our energies because we, we, we have an enemy that is actually trying to mess up our relationships, that is trying to mess up our lives. It's not God. It's actually our enemy. And Peter addresses that head on, starting in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. He says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him The devil is looking for us to hold on to our anxieties. He is looking for us to waver in our faith. He is looking for us to lose sight of the cross. And folks, we need to resist him. We need to resist him in his schemes. He is saying to you now, hey, look over there. The cross can't help. Look over here. The cross can't help you over here with that problem. You know what? It's everybody else's fault, and they don't even care about you anyhow. These are lies. He is trying to lie, cheat, steal, and kill your faith, and he will stop at nothing. So Peter tells them, and he tells us today, to stand firm in the faith and resist him. Resist your enemy. And you're not alone. And oh, by the way, God will restore you. When I step back and think about that, it's very empowering. It's very empowering to think, you know what? We can actually count on ourselves here through the spirit of God that we can resist Satan. I mean, God is like, like, Phil, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. I know you can do it. But can only be done with God and in his way. But we can do it. Resist him. Cast your anxieties on God and resist the devil's schemes, his lies, and his ways. The second thought to help us in our relationship that Peter wraps up the book of 1 Peter with is to stand fast. Starting in verse 12. Of 1 Peter chapter 5. He writes, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Yeah, I've done a few lessons here in a brief journey through 1 Peter. And I've done something here that actually I've not done in any sermon series before. And I was actually very deliberate. I've been very deliberately reading every word of 1 Peter. Every word. Why would I do that? Even down to the very last salutation why would i make sure i'm reading every word of first peter well in the finale peter directs the recipients and i believe to us today to stand fast in the true grace of god stand fast a word fast that normally it means motion here means to stand like a rock and don't move stand fast in God's grace. I read all of 1 Peter to emphasize God's word, its usefulness, its application, and give cause for deeper study. There just is no substitute. From beginning to end, there is application to our lives today. I appreciate one of our ministry groups here in Charlottesville, our young professionals. Uh, A few days ago, we had a group where We're just doing a dive into Holy Spirit. And one of the other men, young men, were were leading the group. And we're taking a look at the Holy Spirit and how he works. And so we broke up the group that was there uh, that night, about uh, 12 or 15 of us or so. Each of us reading in context a whole chapter of three different chapters. So in smaller groups, we would read the whole chapter. My chapter was Acts chapter 2. And seeing how the Spirit, Holy Spirit works. What happened? How was he effective? But reading in the context of a whole chapter was illuminating. It was eye-opening. It was very powerful. But only in the context of seeing it in the bigger picture. You know, if we read God's word sparingly, if we study very little, or only read a, a simple verse or two, we really handicap ourselves. How can we stand firm in something that we do a light review on now and then, or worse yet, rarely? How can we stand firm in something we uh, don't make a strong effort to be a guiding light for our lives? How can we stand firm in something we maybe know not much about? I've so enjoyed going through 1 Peter, this letter. These recipients are, are the same as us. I feel like I've been able to identify better with them, even though they're in a different time, different space, different location, different culture, different language. But I've been able to identify with them, and I hope you have too. Because they have the same struggles. They have the same human natures. And I think that's why it's so helpful. At Peter's direction, for you and I, stand firm in God's grace his word, his love for you. I want to encourage you this week to just to think about what worries that you have. How are they affecting your life? And pray to cast your anxieties on Jesus. Pray that that we can all do that, to be reliant on the cross and get our eyes off ourselves to put the cross back where it should be at the center of our lives. I want to encourage you to go back and reread 1 Peter, all in one setting, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Reread it and put yourself in the spot of a recipient of the original letter. What will the Holy Spirit say to you? What will the Holy Spirit be working in your heart and in your life to help you to see? Folks, we need to resist Satan and his schemes and stand fast in the grace of God. That will help us navigate to better relationships with each other and with God. Thanks for joining. I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at bluerichdisciples.org for more information.